So is, is anybody else wondering if the pig makes it? <laughs> you see him, he's on the edge there, and you're curious. Like, go, little piggy. We believe in you. You can do it. You can make it. Today we're starting a brand new message series, and it's called When Pigs Fly. Uh, so I'm assuming, but maybe that's the wrong thing. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before, when pigs fly? Yeah? Okay, so if you don't know, um, maybe there's one person or two. Uh, if you don't know what that phrase means, it's, uh, uh, it's kind of sarcastic, okay? It's kind of a sarcastic phrase that people use when describing something that's not very likely to happen. For example, what would that look like? Imagine my kids come to you and they say, my dad just said that we could have seven cats. Just say, when pigs fly, or bless your heart. Either of those work in that setting, okay? I would argue today that the word miracle, it's losing some of its power. And you see what I did there? It was like miracle and power and tough crowd today. Okay, some people would say that I believe in a miracle working God. God does miracles, but He probably won't do it for me. I mean, God did miracles long ago. We know that's what He could do, but it probably won't ever happen to me. And I think the word miracle is losing some of its power today, some of that wonder, because it's so frequently used incorrectly. Somebody might say, you know what? I went to the mall on a Saturday in December, and the lot was full. And then I came to the mall, and there was a parking spot up close. It's a miracle. That is not a miracle. I believe that we still have a miracle-working God. If you, put, uh, if you went to that mall and, and uh, every spot is filled, filled with cards, and, and then as you approach, they, they all uh, part and pile up, that would be a miracle. And that's what it might look like if our God intervenes. But I'm curious, how many of you uh, at Church Online out there, how many of you at Church on Main Street, how many of you have something in your life right now where you would love to see God intervene on your behalf or on the behalf of somebody that you love? Is there anybody? I think we, we, we stand united in that for the most part, and this is what we're going to focus on for the next four episodes. Outside of the changed life, the transformed heart and mind that goes on with inside an individual, outside of that, every miracle that you see in the Bible will fall into one of these four categories, and this is our episode breakdown. So next episode, we're going to talk about miracles of healing. We're going to look at why God does these and why God sometimes doesn't do these. Then we're going to talk about miracles of protection, how God has divinely protected people, and then miracles of provision, something that into one has in its DNA. Today we're going to talk about perhaps the least talked about type of miracle. Uh, some would say perhaps the most uh, creepy type of miracle. We're going to talk today about miracles of deliverance. When God does miracles, over the forces, over the powers of darkness, his power over demonic forces. Now, some of you, I, I, I'm going to think very likely, might be thinking right now, 
oh, it sounds like it's going to be weird. I wish, why today? Why did I come today? Uh, I'm not even sure that I believe in demons. I don't know about those forces of darkness. Maybe I don't know where I stand. And you know what? It's hard to nail down. And you, I would say, was it Charles Baudelaire or Kevin Spacey or Verbal Kint or Kaiser Sose or someone else who said it? But whomever it was, I liked what they said. The greatest trick that the devil ever played was to convince the world that he does not exist. And one of the greatest lies that our spiritual enemy tells us is that he is not a force. He's not a force, and he's not fighting against the kingdom of God and the kingdom of his truth. And we're going to look at some Scripture today, and we're going to try and build a foundation from the Apostle Paul. So Christianity, start off the top, Christianity is not a playground. Christianity is a battleground. It is an ongoing battle. The natural world that we see, that we interact with, that we touch, that's not all that there is. There is the natural world, but there's a spiritual world, and they are overlapping. And Paul uh, tells us about this in Ephesians 6, starting at verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, your mean boss, that annoying mother-in-law or father-in-law, or your, the person who argues with you on Facebook and Twitter, they are not your real enemy. They might seem like your enemy, but we have a spiritual enemy, and they are not flesh and blood enemies, but we battle against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, and against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. We are doing battle against the forces of darkness, demonic forces. The question of the battle is not there. How we respond to the battle might be. So a lot of people believe that a demon is a spirit of the dead. So in other words, you go, I had this Uncle Ben, and woo, he was a hellraiser, and now he's dead. Now he's a demon. No. Your, your uncle's not a demon, okay? Demon is not the spirit of the dead. Most Bible scholars would say that demons are the fallen angels that left heaven with Lucifer when God cast Lucifer out. What do we know about demons? There's one devil. There are many demons. What an angel is to God, a demon is to the devil. Demons do the work of our spiritual enemy in the dark realms trying to take people away from the kingdom of God. Welcome to Sunday morning. Hope you were ready to think like this. Where do we get it wrong sometimes in the church world when it comes to the forces of darkness? I think our two biggest mistakes, you've probably heard me say this before, when it comes to demons, first of all, we overemphasize demonic influence. In some church cultures, there's, there's a demon under every rock. Look, we found another demon. My phone fell off the desk because a demon knocked it off. You can't blame every problem. You go, I'm broke because of the devil. Contrary to what you may want to tell yourself, the devil did not make you drink the whole case, all right? That's your fault. And in some places, we overemphasize demonic influence. It touches everything. It's everywhere. We blame everything on the devil, take no responsibility for ourselves. In other cultures, uh, church cultures, I think that we underemphasize demonic influence. While not every problem is caused by the devil, I would argue that more problems than we might realize are influenced by the forces of darkness. That's them doing their jobs. What do these jobs entail? What do demons do? 
Now, if we want to understand how God miraculously works over the powers of darkness, what are the roles of demons? What do demons do? So, I want to give you three uh, quick thoughts. Uh, they'll do more than this, but this is just three main categories that you can watch for in your life and in the lives of people around you. First of all, demons tempt you to sin. That's a big part of their job. They tempt you away from the will of God. It's not so much the bad thing that you're doing, it's that it's away from God. They encourage you, they tempt you to put sin into your life. When Paul was talking to Timothy, he's writing him a letter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, he talked about a group of people, and he said that one day, verse 26, they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The devil tries to set up honey traps, tempting traps, to take you away from God, to disconnect you. In some form, some fashion, demons will communicate to you. They can't hear your thoughts, but they can plant a thought. They'll convince you to listen to their lies. They repeat lies to you. They'll whisper to you, go ahead. You know what? You deserve it. Come on. You know what day today is? Watch it. Touch it. Take it. That's the kind of thing that you deserve. You know you deserve it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Of course you can. Whatever it is, whatever it is that is your kind of weakness, they'll come to you with that. And they will come to you as they start. They will minimize sin on the front side, okay? So, you know what? Everybody does it. (laughs) Everybody, they're doing it right now. It's no big deal because everybody's doing it. Don't let somebody else tell you how to live. It's not their business. It's your life. If you're not hurting anybody, go and do whatever you want. You can do this. Of course you can. And then when you give in, when you begin to sin, when you begin to behave selfishly, they no longer minimize it. Now they're going to maximize it. What did you just do? Oh, man, God's never going to love you. God will never use you. You've ruined your life. You've lost all your relationships. You can never come back. So what do they do? In some form or fashion, they communicate and they tempt you as the devil lays traps and demons try to take you away from serving God. That is their goal. They're also going to try to distract you from God's will. So they'll try to distract you. Paul, again, told Timothy, his protege, his pastor in training, Timothy, let me help you out, buddy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Some of you might know somebody like this. Unfortunately, some of you might be somebody like this. There was a time when you were walking with God and you were close with God and then deceiving spirits came along and they've led you away from the purity of the gospel into all sorts of other false doctrines. It's really common today to hear people say, you know what, it doesn't really matter what you believe because all roads lead to God. You, you just take whatever works for you because that might work for somebody else, but this would work for you. Maybe take a little bit of Buddhism, right? Toss that in. We'll put it in some Christianity because Christianity is kind of socially good. And you might want to mix in a little bit of the New Age to put a little pop, a little zip in there. Stir in a little bit of witchcraft because we all like control. And if you want to, just put it in there. Stir it in. Mix it all up. Make your own. You know best. Why wouldn't you? doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And suddenly someone who had a, a, a pure faith, now they're distracted. And they're taken away by demonic voices. So demons tempt you, and uh, they're going to distract you. They're going to lure you, and finally demons inflict suffering. There's a tragically sad story 
uh, about a father and a son, and the son is physically afflicted by demonic forces. You can find it in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 15. The dad who's hurting, just agonized for his child, for his son, he cries out in verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he's suffering greatly. He often falls into water or fire or into water. 17, Jesus replied, bring the boy here to me. And then Jesus does a Jesus thing. Jesus does a miracle. He performs a miracle over darkness. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and the boy was healed at that moment. The demon was inflicting suffering and at the word of Jesus, in a moment, miraculously, the boy was delivered from his suffering. What do we know about Jesus? What do we know about why Jesus came? Right? Think about it. We know that Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. We know that Jesus came to set the captives free. We know that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. We know that Jesus came not for those who are healthy, but He came for the sick. Jesus not, did not come for the self-proclaimed righteous, but Jesus came for the sinners. He came to set people free, people like me, maybe people like you. Now, what's Satan's mission? Very clear in John's Gospel, chapter 10, his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the Prince of Darkness is all about, steal, kill, destroy. What does he want to do? Satan wants to inflict injury or pain. Demons, they may influence depression. They may influence suicidal thoughts. They may influence feelings of desperation. They want to be about breaking things like your marriage. They want to ruin your testimony to make you a public scandal. They want to wreck your finances to put you back into desperation. They steal your joys. They want to obliterate your health. It's not a game. It's not a little red guy in a red suit with tiny horns and a, and, and a long wiggly tail with a pitchfork. It's not a cartoon. This is forces of darkness. And they hate God and the kingdom of light. And his mission, the devil's mission that he sends out through every demonic spirit is to hurt what matters to the heart of God. He can't hurt God himself, so he hurts what matters to God, and nothing matters more to God than you. Happy season of thanks. Don't be creeped out. Don't get freaked out. Just be ready. So what do we do when we recognize that we're in a spiritual battle? Should we be afraid? Do we need to be on guard? So let me give you one big thought, and, and this is for those of you who are in Christ. This is for those of you who have been transformed and are being transformed by the grace of Jesus. So if you are in Christ, if you have been changed, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you are in Christ, you need to understand that you have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. I'm going to say it again, honestly, because these things, we don't talk about them a lot, and I'm believing that there's somebody here, there's somebody at church online who needs to soak in this. They need to feel the weight. It's not just a passing thought. They need to uh, absorb the strength of what's in this. If you are in Christ, you have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. 
And as we fight the battle, we need to understand that we are not fighting with our power, but we are fighting with the power of Christ. Matthew 10, 1 tells us how we tap into that power. Jesus called His disciples to Him and gave them. What did Jesus give them? Authority. Say it again. Say it a little louder. What did Jesus give them? Authority. Jesus gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, demonic spirits, and to heal every disease and every sickness. Now, Jesus gave them authority to use His power. Let's unpack this a little bit, okay, because we don't want confusion coming from here. The power that we're involved in is never pew, pew, pew power. We don't just get to throw fireballs kind of power. Imagine for a moment, if you will, that I am a police officer. Imagine that I'm a police officer and I'm standing in the middle of the road. And imagine coming right at me as an 18-wheeler. I, as a police officer, tell that 18-wheeler to stop. Do I have the physical power to make that vehicle stop? The answer is no, I don't have the power. That driver has the power to make me a smudge mark in the middle of the highway, right? What do I have? Jesus said, I give you authority. What I do not have is my own pew, pew, pew power. But what I have is like a badge that says I have authority. If this driver is coming and I'm a police officer, I can say stop. And even though I don't have the power, I have the authority. And if he does not obey the authority, there is a higher power. You see what I'm saying? A power to which he must answer. And even though in my own life I don't have the power to defeat the darkness, I have the authority to declare the name that is above every name, the name that has all power over all darkness, the name of Jesus. If you are in Christ, you have authority over all darkness in the name of Jesus. If you have eyes to see, you may see that you're in a spiritual battle. So let me tell you a story. This is not my story, but here it is. I'm going to tell it in the first person. These, this is not my story. These words are kind of mine, but the story is not. First time I ever saw it, I was a brand new Christian, maybe 20 years of age. I was in a Bible study in college. Probably about 15 people or so were in the study. Uh, we had a pastor there with us, and we were having a prayer time as part of that study. I was praying in my mind, not out loud. And another guy was praying out loud, and we were praying together, listening to him and praying by ourselves. And I'm sitting next to a guy, and his name is Russ. His name's not really Russ, but we're going to call him Russ. Russ is acting a little bit strange. So I was just praying for Russ in my mind, not out loud. After about 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds in Russ, who's holding my hand, because we're praying, sometimes people hold hands when they pray. Russ, who's holding my hand, he leans over. I never prayed out loud. Russ looks at me and he says, stop praying for me. I was like, wow, that has never happened before. The other guy who's in the room, he's still praying. He has no idea what's going on. And so obviously, uh, I'm still praying in my mind. Now I'm really praying, yet I'm not praying out loud for Russ. The second time, Russ leans over and says, I told you, stop praying for me. This is weird. Another guy's still praying in the room out loud. That's what we're all listening to. And so now I'm obviously not doing what Russ is saying because I'm praying like crazy. And Russ stopped everybody and said, all of y'all, because he's Southern, all of y'all, stop praying for me now. And he yelled it out. 
The pastor that was uh, the pastor guy that was there with us, his name is Danny Chambers. He walks across the room very calmly, just put his hand on Russ and said, Come out of him in the name of Jesus. That was it. What happened next? It took maybe 20 seconds. Looks similar to sometimes what you might see on a TV show. There's a little bit of yelling, a little bit of shaking, and then things went calm. And Russ honestly didn't have any idea what had just happened around him or to him. But he was different, just like that. What had happened? Well, there was a person who understood the authority that they had to use the name of Jesus. And a force of darkness. And, and, and he simply he, he took that authority and, and he said, in the name of Jesus, and that was enough, and it was finished. If you are in Christ, what I hope that you'll understand is that you have authority in the name of Jesus over darkness. Who do we serve? Let me tell you about him. We serve a miracle-working God who gives you authority over darkness, never to be played with. Now, let's be honest. It sounds kind of weird. What, what I've done to you is I, I weirded you out, right? And so it's difficult to remember all this kind of stuff. Why? Why is it hard to remember this? Because we're just trying to get through the day, right? I got bills to pay. I got to get the dishes done. I got to fold the laundry. I got to go to work. I got things that I'm dealing with. I got staff that are dealing with. I'm going, trying to figure all this stuff out. I'm trying not to kill my kids, but they're running around like drunk squirrels everywhere. They're holding me hostage in my own house. I'm just trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to survive. I just need a rest. I need a break. And what I often don't recognize is that there's a force of darkness trying to inflict division between me and my wife. There's forces of darkness trying not just to, to damage, but to destroy my kids. Pushing suicidal thoughts, pushing anger. There's forces of darkness that want you dependent on a chemical. They want you dependent on a lustful image to where you will need something else just to get through the day. And so you'll be a prisoner to something. Forces of darkness. What do we do with this, when we recognize that every day we're in a spiritual battle, just a couple of thoughts. It's going to lead us into an application, okay? So first, two things not to assume. First of all, don't assume that every problem is the result of a demonic activity or demonic, demonic influence. They're not. Sometimes you just did something wrong. We're living in a painful world, and pain causes reactions. It causes us to behave in ways that are not our best. We're living in a painful world, and not every problem is the result of a demonic influence. At the same time, let me encourage you, <coughs> don't assume that any problem isn't. Don't assume every problem is, and don't assume every problem isn't. Be prepared Anytime that you have a problem, you have a battle, you have a temptation, you've got a trial, there's a mountain in front of you, I want to encourage you to do what's natural. Do what's wise. And then pray for supernatural intervention from our miracle-working God. So imagine you're suffering from an illness. Uh, maybe it's physical. Maybe it's mental. It's still an illness. Go to see the doctor all right? Book an appointment to see a specialist. 
Go see someone who's smart, who's recommended. Go see someone who's wise. You do what is smart. You do what is wise. And then we will do whatever is practical and whatever is wise. And you better believe that with every bit of faith in you, you and your friends can still gather together and be praying for the supernatural intervention of God at the same time. That's what we do. We do what we know to do. And we invoke power that goes beyond what we have. We don't close the door to God because you went to go see a doctor. And you don't close the door to doctors by fervently praying to God. It does not need to be either or. It is both and. So use this area, every area of your life. So if you're battling anxiety, if you're having panic attacks, panic attacks, I recommend that you go and see a great doctor. Find one. Go there. And pray in the name that is above every name to help bring healing and freedom. If you've got emotional suffering, distress, like so many of us have because in the past someone has, a, has abused you, someone has taken advantage of you, someone has mistreated you, someone harmed you, I highly recommend that you go to a great counselor and you let them aid in your healing and in bringing transformation. And pray for any type of deliverance from demonic forces or lies that continue to keep you in bondage. We do what's natural and ask for God's supernatural. So someone is battling with alcohol, 12-step program all day long, and the powers and the forces of spiritual intervention and warfare. It's both You'll be prompted. Okay, listen to me. Trust me on this one. You're going to be prompted. If you are in Christ, you are a spiritual being. Your spirit is connected to God. So watch for those promptings and listen for those promptings. Obey them. Watch for those promptings and you remember everything is not just physical. That many things are spiritual. Physical on the surface, but there's so much more going on. Remember that light defeats darkness. Now, you don't have to be a pastor to hear from God. You just have to be a Christian that is learning to listen and discern. The Spirit will prompt you. I believe the Spirit will prompt you. It might prompt some of you today to reach out to someone at church or to say something to someone else at church online. You're not excluded because you're at church online. Just follow the promptings. Follow the nudges of the Spirit. They will look and smell like the Spirit of God. And when Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do? What did he accomplish? Well, one of the things he did was that he defeated darkness. You say, well, but what is darkness? That's nebulous. I want you to think about this. What is darkness? Let me tell you what it's not. Darkness is not the opposite of light. And so many people think that it is. It's the good and the bad. Darkness is not the opposite of light. What is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. It's, it's just the absence of light. And who was Jesus? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you are in Christ, the light of Christ dwells within you. John chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, cannot overcome it, will not overcome it. Any time that there's spiritual darkness and you walk into a room, light walks into the room. And light always defeats darkness. Maybe not in that moment. 
If you are in Christ, you have authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. You take authority. You say it. You speak it verbally. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over the uh, forces of darkness that are surrounding, distracting, and attacking. You don't need to yell. You don't have to wave things in the air, whether they're holy or not. Calmly, clearly, firmly, speak it. Stand firm. Ephesians 6, 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Because that is what we are fighting, because that is real, the spiritual problem is real in our world. 13, therefore, because that's real, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Because of the spiritual battle, we battle spiritually. You do what's natural and invoke the supernatural power of God. Why? Why do we do that? Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly, for, in heavenly places. Because that's the war that we're in, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the belt of truth and the shoes prepared with the gospel of peace so that you may be able to resist the devil in the time of evil. Then, church, then into one. After the battle, we will not be defeated. We will be standing firm. Why? More truth for you to because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Recognize that you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. If you are in Christ, you have authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. Claim it. Stand on it. Depend on it. So, Father, we ask you today that you would do miracles as your church rises up and recognizes that we are, in fact, in a spiritual battle, give us faith, God, to be light in the middle of darkness. And we see that darkness around us in so many different ways. Father, I pray that we would have the wisdom to do what we can do. But, God, that we would have the faith to do and to ask you for what we cannot do. So, God, do miracles. Do miracles, God, in any sense and in any way where there may be spiritual lies, forces of darkness attacking, we ask that you would bind those up and in heavenly places. God, protect our minds from spiritual lies that keep coming, that keep coming back for more. God, replace them with truth. And we thank you that greater is the risen Christ that dwells within us, that we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead inside of those who have been made new. God, help us to step into the gift of authority that you have given us. Not our power, but the power of your risen Son, Jesus. And may we fight, not just naturally, but may we fight spiritually. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Ours are powerful spiritual. They look different. 
They fight differently, but they pull down spiritual strongholds. Empower us, God, we pray, to complete the mission that you have given us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.